And Camila, she actually left her job in the corporate world doing administration to come on and be not just a full-time administrator for the School of Missions and work with us directly, but start and launch in her, in her young 40s, very young 40s. She launched in the full-time ministry for the first time and wanted to just be trained. It's unbelievable what they did. We served together about two and a half years there, a year and a half at the School of Missions, uh, in that the last year and a half we were there. And it's, it's been unbelievable. And Bruno was baptized in 1999, so was Camila, both in Sao Paulo. And I think, Camila, you were in the singles ministry at that point. And, 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 and Bruno was at a university, a private university called McKenzie. And uh, this is a small Presbyterian ministry, uh, uh, you know, university. And there, because of s- security, you can't enter. So one of the things we were dreaming of doing was relaunching a McKenzie campus ministry there, um, which is, uh, I don't know, probably 30, 40 minutes maybe from the house. I mean, it was a bit of a travel closer to downtown. And it was amazing that after almost, what, 15, 17 years after him getting converted, he and his wife went back there and relaunched a campus ministry with one of the other students and restarted a campus ministry at the same university where he was baptized uh, over 20 years ago. And if you ever like, oh, what do I do? And I'm in my 40s or something. I'm going back on campus. I'm like, yeah, they're not even doing it full time. They're just crushing. It was awesome. He's like, I feel weird. Am I weird? I'm like, no, bro, you're doing great. And we've seen we've seen incredible fruit come out of both of their lives. They are, they're heroes. They're great friends. I'm thrilled to be able to hear from from Bruno today. He's going to be talking a little bit, some stories from São Paulo. Um, but also, I just want to encourage us. The reason why we asked them to come on up here is because for many of us, I don't know, I, I particularly need a little bit of a encouragement from the other side of the globe. Sometimes I can think, oh, man, I'm not seeing God work in my neighborhood the way I hope. Is he still working at all? And the answer is, oh, yes, he is. And we're so encouraged that we, they got a chance to fly on up here. They've spent the last week in, in Florida and in South Florida at a missions conference. And then they were going to come up here yesterday, and their flight was delayed. And they missed their connection in Dallas, so they got to spend a beautiful night in Dallas at some hotel. <laughs> got up this morning, got on a flight, arrived here, and walked in the door just a few minutes before service started. So you, they, so he's been on an adventure, and so is she. But can we give a huge Wichita welcome to Bruno as he shares his Okay. No. Okay, fantastic. Let's see if it's working. Let's check. Oh, is it? The little button here. Okay. Okay. There you go. Fantastic. Wow. I have no words to express our gratitude to be here in the church in Wichita. I mean, where? I mean, how on earth would we think like to be here sharing some special message message with the church? It's all about relationship, right? right? It's all about connections in this beautiful family of God. 
So I'm so glad, Camila, as well. Uh, thank you so much for your warmth, for your generous heart, like making it possible for us to stay here with you guys for a couple of days. Uh, it's so special to be with uh, our friend. I'm going to get emotional here. Oh. <laughs> when we got to the airport, <clears throat> I saw my wife just living in a flight. Where's my wife? She went running to hug Amanda. Amanda was on the other side. And they were kind of embracing, uh, yeah, tearing up. So it's very special to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, as Jeff said, uh, we have been trained by them. So uh, during the pandemic, it was a tough time when they implemented the School of Missions in Sao Paulo. It was such a blessing because we had always dreamt about a School of Missions there. And God made it all possible through their lives, uh, through the trust that they had in the Hendersons. So the beam funds like sent help uh, and now the SAMS uh, is sending help. So all because of them. So it's so special. And uh, uh, Jeff has especially helped me with my sermons. So if at the end of this you feel, oh man, it's a bummer. Uh, it's all Jeff's fault. Okay, guys. Uh, so I'm just kidding. I be able to communicate the beauty of the God's message uh, and inspire you guys as much as I feel fired up about this message. Okay, so let's get straight to it. Our awareness of the need of protecting the world is keener today than possibly any other moment in, in history. The world population um, keeps growing, right? Scientists foresee that uh, we're going to reach a population of around 10 billion people in the world before its number starts dropping. So to complicate things, the world is going through climate transformations, right? And these changes are followed up with gazillions of discussions about the causes whether it is the result of uh, human uh, action or a process uh, which the world would have to face anyhow. Uh, uh, sorry, face anyhow. You're used to the word faith, right? So it comes out it, almost naturally. Um, regardless of which side of the discussion you are inclined to be, it is a fact that the world is under a lot of stress. And the world is not only important for environmentalists or for the current generation. The world has always been treasured by God himself. Right? Wasn't it God who created it? It was, God, it was to live in this world that God uh, put human beings. He is privileged, like very special beings in his creation. It was to this world that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus himself has called us to love the world. I mean, to fight for the good of life in the world. While we as Christians needed to understand that we do not belong to this world. Right? But what world is Jesus talking about? Well, it's interesting that in the New Testament, the word cosmos is a word in Greek refers to the world. But it has multiple meanings, right? You might have heard the word, word cosmonaut, like the, the, 
Russian astronaut, or cosmology, or cosmopolis, or uh, even cosmetics. Hmm, women. It, it, it is all derived from the word cosmos. But in the New Testament, we have mainly three meanings. Uh, first, it refers to the universe, right? Uh, the second meaning is humanity, all the human beings inhabiting the world. And the third connotation is a system of values uh, that have influenced the life of human beings. And it often compromises uh, biblical spiritual principles. I mean, in other words, it is a system of values ruled by Satan. Uh, it is Satan's dominion over this world. And it is exactly this connotation that we're going to be focusing on uh, this morning. So, Jesus mentioned uh, this idea in John 7, 7. He says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. Right? So, the world feels aversion toward Jesus, because the world Jesus speaks about is everything that is governed by a system of beliefs, ideas, philosophies, concepts that go against God. So when we think about the world, what we should be thinking is something broader than uh, the physical, the material world, like the, the environment. Right? Um, it makes us think it, about our lives, our values, our conceptions, our purpose of being here. It makes us think about deeper questions. As for example, would, you, would there be a true meaning for this life? Even though it may run counter to what the majority of the people think or believe? How can I focus on what really matters? In what sort of way can I lead a meaningful and victorious life in this world without being influenced without being dragged by it so today we are going to gain great inspiration from some people in the bible who found a unique life purpose that far surpassed the values and ways of this world such was their impact on the history of god's people that the world was not worthy of them I have no doubt that if you open up your mind, your heart, to, to learn from them, your week, will, your week will begin in a different way. And maybe your life is going to be transformed for all and good. So we are going to read from the letter of Hebrews. This epistle was written to encourage Christians who had been Jews, right? And they were disheartened. Like they were considering to return to their old lifestyle, to their religion. After ten amazing chapters, the author of Hebrews plays one of his most genius cards. He goes through a list of heroes and heroines in the faith, in the Jewish faith, and shows how their faith made them more than conquerors in this world. So, let's get right into it. Hebrews 11, I'll, I'll just say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for being here this morning. 
Thank you so much, Father, for you know everything that has happened so far. It's so encouraging to think about Jesus, to think about why we contribute, why we give not only our money but our lives to you. You are the reason, Father, of everything we do. It's so special to uh, come from a different place and get to know the church here in Wichita. And I think it is also special for them to get to know people from around the globe, like people uh, who have been reached out by your grace, by your love, as much as they have. Uh, we love you so much. Just help us, inspire us. Uh, may your spirit guide me in every word. Help me, Lord. And uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the author talks about two pilgrims on earth. Verse 7. Oh, this is my beautiful wife, Pamela. Right? She's the jewel of my life. Okay. So, verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Well, it's amazing, like, we start to understand the contours of faith, like through the lives of these people. For Noah's faith was cemented into the hope of belonging to the people of God. Remember the flood, something anew was being built, right? And his faith uh, was placed with the hope of receiving uh, the fulfillment of divine promises. He was expecting, you know, God to realize his promises. And then we continue reading. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he's made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as, he, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Well, he, here we, we see like another facet of this faith. It's a faith that is not a generic religious attitude before life, or any type of belief that has the appearance of of virtue. This faith demonstrated by Abraham and his relatives is an obedient faith. It's a faith that pays heed to God's promises. It takes to heart God's divine calling. The creator, the redeemer of the world. This faith is mindful that through Abraham's family abroad, God was building a city that is yet to come. And if we keep reading, we're going to come across like other people, amazing people. Sarah, who was past childbearing age, but she had faith in the impossible. And she received Isaac. And then Isaac went along. And then we see Jacob, Joseph, Moses, that in Egypt was leading a group of Hebrews. And they trusted in the calling of God. And they saw astonishing miracles being performed. And it's amazing. Because they had faith that God was planning something that they could never imagine. 
something that they could have never attained on their own. Right? And then we see Joshua and the prostitute Rahab. The promised land. That's the context. And we see that the fall of Jericho's walls was not done by human hand. Right? Not a projectile. No war weaponry was thrown against the wall. It was by faith. It was by trust. It was by trumpets and a collective cry. Very bizarre, right? (laughs) By the way, that the walls came down. It was by faith. So the history of the people of God is firmly grounded in the acts of faith. Right? So as we keep reading, excuse me, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Well, the context here, when the author reaches chapter by the way, it's a, an anonymous letter. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Um, when he reaches chapter 11, he's trying to encourage like those early Christians, reminding them of the history of faithful men and women of God, like the Jews. They knew very well who these guys were, right? And he's trying to say and highlight the point that, hey, guys, we are not of those who go back and lose our salvation in Christ. Right? But we move on towards the goal of our faith. Many of those Hebrews, Jewish Christians, were uh, being tempted to return to the old uh, religion, Judaism. Uh, But the writer, writer thinks straight. And he proves that they received a new covenant in Jesus. Something that were was superior to the old. Like markedly and altogether superior. I mean... You should never exchange the shadow of some shadow of something for the reality of that very thing, right? And then he goes through this list of heroes and heroines in the faith. And I mean, we would love to know what he had to say about Gideon, Barak. I mean, we get some clues. Uh, some of these people, like we can identify more, more obviously, like Daniel in the Lair of Lions. When we think about like shutting the mouths of lions, right? Or the the three fellow friends 
like who were thrown into the, the blazing furnace. And because of their faith, not a single hair was scorched. It's amazing. And we keep reading. Um, and then he's going to talk about people that were bru- brutally treated. Um, and we get some clues like Elijah and Elisha uh, resurrected children and returned them to their mothers. Um, well, according to the Jewish Talmud, it's a traditional Jewish book, uh, the prophet Isaiah was hideously sawed in two by the king Manasseh. And in historical books following the Maccabees, they were Jewish who had fought the Greek just uh, a centuries before Jesus. Uh, we find an entire family of siblings and a mother who were tortured to death and declared in the very moment of their suffering that God would be able to make them experience a corporeal, a bodily resurrection in the future. What a faith! And the key seems to be in verse 38. The world was not worthy of people of that kind. I mean, it is certain that the world would look and see apparently weird people. Maybe some of them are here, right? I'm surely one of them. Jeff, obviously, is another one, right? So glad you loved him and took him in and his family, right? Um, And look at these people living very determinedly a lifestyle that is counter-cultural, Right? But from God's perspective, this motley group of misfits was the beginning of a new creation, was the beginning of a new world. Right? Now, if you are a Christian, do your convictions, do your faith make the world worthy of you? Or the world is not worthy of you because of your faith. One thing is a fact according to the word of God this morning. The world was not worthy of those men and women of God. People of tremendous faith. And it's interesting that the author of Hebrews does not endeavor to mention the professions of these people. Or where they studied. Or in which county they lived. Or which type of car they they drove. Uh, Whether it was a horse, a mule, a camel. It didn't matter. Because they were not remembered by these things. By the successful professional life they had. They were not remembered by their academic titles. Or their material possessions. In reality, they were remembered because of their faith. And for rowing against the values of that society, which as ours nowadays, believed, they lived as if the present world was everything that existed or was to exist. Right? So, I'm going to get into some practicals here. And um, we're going to see three characteristics of this faith. And we're going to look at some applications for us, for our lives. As I studied out their faith, 
I came up with this title. Their faith, it is a C3 faith. faith. C3 faith. Just make it easier for us like to remember some trait characteristics, right? Um, so hopefully, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to, at the end of this service, go and rent or buy French cars, right? I don't know if you get that. Okay? Don't, don't do that. All right? Okay. So the first aspect of their faith, the first C, they had faith in the Creator, right? In the first uh, verses of Hebrews, we're going to read. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Right? So in Hebrews, faith is always connected to hope. Faith is to look to God and trust in Him. And hope seems to be like uh, looking into the future and trusting in God. And in spite of uh, the, the, the reality that we see around us. Right? If it is challenging or not, it goes against us or not. Um, as we see in verse 1, Hebrews defines faith in, rela- in relation to hope, saying that, I mean, one thing is to have hope, right? But hope gains substance when it goes together with, with faith. I mean, you could have hope in a better, better world. We're talking about the world. I mean, you could even believe in a new life after death as some religions advocate, right? But unless I believe in the God who raised Jesus from the dead, my hope could tragically sink to mere optimism. Right? So their faith had conviction, confidence in God the Creator. It was vital for them. I mean, if you come to think, even worship is pointless unless you believe profoundly in a God who created the universe, right? Who gives us the breath of life so that we can seek Him wholly heartedly, so that we can prioritize Him. And talking about priorities, when you see a God, like, who is the Creator and who earnestly wants to have a relationship with you. How does that change your priorities? What, is, what was your, I don't know if you remember, what was your first thought this morning as you woke up? Right? It just is a kind of um, experiment here. Was it like NBA games or your favorite uh, band concert that is coming or your job, maybe... You know, internship, uh, financial investments, like your school, university assignments. Was it uh, bills to pay? Debts? Like sick relatives? 
What was your very first thought today? I don't know if you remember. A boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know. Let's see what this guy thought very early in the morning. And it was habitually, it was a custom. Early in the morning, he, Job, would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, his sons, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. What a man of God. What a faith. Like Job could, could have easily integrated like this constellation of heroes in the faith. Right? I mean, notice the passion he had for God. How zealous he was to offer prayers in the morning on behalf of his children. Even before the sun rise. The world was also not worthy of him, for sure. Is the world worthy of us? Does the world deserve you? And each sea has a challenge. So I'm going to come up with our first challenge for this week. Okay? Are you guys on board? All right. So the first challenge in light of what we just uh, saw. Try all the days of this week. As soon as you wake up, to do nothing but spend the first 20 minutes thinking about God, praying, intentionally projecting your thoughts into God's presence, His creative power, he, Him as a Redeemer, thinking about His genuine desire to build a relationship with you. Don't allow anything else to invade your mind, to invade your heart, but only praise Him, your Creator, everything He has done for you. So if you show a divided attention, a kind of multitask mind, you failed, right? But then you can restart. It's a challenge. It's very challenging. Pouring the very first thoughts of your in, during your morning to God. That's very challenging. But it's a good challenge. Right? So try to do that. And, and um, yeah, share with one another how that went. Okay. So the second C. So we saw faith, faith in the Creator. And now faith in the celestial city. And... In Hebrews 11:13 it says, "All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Faith in the celestial city. A couple of months ago, I went to a conference in Rio de Janeiro. 
right? It was a young professional conference. And since I had arrived, I decided to have a daily uh, prayer walks uh, in the mornings, like on the beach. It was nearby, like 10 minutes from the hotel we were. And on the first day, I was just blown away as I was approaching towards, uh, walking towards the, the beach. And I saw this outstanding infrastructure of uh, soccer fields. I, I love, so- well, Brazilians, right? So it was amazing. I was mesmerized by it. And then there were like multi-sport courts and then this uh, jogging track running alongside the beach. I was like, which place is this? And then I kept going as my feet touched the softness of the white skin. And then, you know, I felt like the breeze, sea breeze coming, caressing my face. And then I, I was like, which place is this? I mean, this is beautiful. And I looked to my left and I saw the sugar loaf. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's one of the main attractions of, of Rio de Janeiro. It's like a beautiful hill and you can, can go up there to appreciate the beauty of the city, right? And then I couldn't believe my eyes. Then I looked to the right and I saw Christ Redeemer. I don't know if you're familiar with Christ Redeemer. Far in the distance, right? And I was like, God, is, is that it? Like, can we stay here forever? I mean, is, is this the promised celestial city? Right? I was blown away by the beauty of that place. Well, maybe this place for you um, you know, like this place that is kind of the, the threshold of, of the divine. I mean, it's a place that gets you closer to, to the divine, right? You might have that experience. Um, maybe this is a, a house in the countryside. Maybe it, it is somewhere in the park. Maybe it is uh, one of the gardens of Wichita, Botanica Wichita, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is another beach city. But I have as you may imagine, breathtaking, this awe-inspiring spot of yours. It is not the celestial city God is preparing. So I'm so sorry. I, I told you that this uh, sermon could be a bummer. I told you. But I, I rely on your mercy, okay? Well, not even Rio de Janeiro is the celestial city. Actually, God is preparing the true celestial city for those who consider themselves pilgrims in this world, foreigners. The heroes of faith in Hebrews sought another homeland, as a one much better, right? Where they would be dignified by God. They saw the fulfillment of the promise, promise just from far in the distance and received nothing of that in their lives. But it's amazing because they saw death and they kept going. They looked death straight in its eyes. And it's amazing because it turned their 
turns their faith even more inspiring. As if we just read all the verses before, right? What a faith. So, this is why the world was not worthy of them. Is the world worthy of your faith? Do you live as if you were only passing through this world? Or do you live as someone who has already established your life here and wants to stay here forever? Do you understand that everything on earth is at best long distance signals? Right? Are we going to keep trusting God to fulfill His promises, even though we may not see the fulfillment of these promises during our lifetime? Right? So let's come to the second challenge. Oh, sorry, guys. I. Oh, sorry, guys. I, I, I'm forgetting the slides. Sorry, it's a. Oh, sorry. So this was the conference, right, in Rio de Janeiro. You see uh, in the background the sugar loaf, like they always tell you, right? Uh, yeah. So it's very special. Like um, we have people here who have been part of the school of missions that Jeff and Amanda organized, and they they they're baptizing people. Uh, we've seen like uh, in the last few weeks. A lot of people getting baptized. I mean, around 10 people. So we are reaping the fruit of the seeds that you guys helped to plant. Right? This is the view I had when I stepped into the beach. Right? So you might understand now, God? Are the angels coming? Is that it? I mean, it's... Right? So, well, the second chapter. Think about how you could demonstrate a faith detached from this world. I mean, in the sense that it's more focused on the things above. Jeff was talking about this uh, somehow. I mean, if you're less clingy to money, you could give more during contribution. Or maybe you could help a HOPE project, right? We have, you guys are familiar with HOPE, like in our churches. Or you could help a missions project. I mean, if you skip one of your gym workout uh, hours like you could spend more time with your family or you could spend more time with someone who is sick um, I mean some of us might need rest can you believe but sleeping is a spiritual discipline right or maybe you could participate in a bible study like thinking less about ourselves and more about the lost more about their pain, more about their need to get to know God, right? Um, a good good piece of news. Um, Camila and I went to the... Oh, there, there you go. Good. Uh, com- thanks, guys, for putting this together. For a good job who did that. Um, so uh, we were on the campus ministry, and it's, it was really tough during the pandemic really tough i mean to reach out to people it was hard like not many of them would like come on board um and then uh in last year the the end of last year commonly started studying the bible with with a girl called bianca 
uh, actually this girl, um, it's very interesting. Like she was in a group at the university and she was talking badly about, I don't know, a situation. And then a girl came to her and said, hey, you say you were a Christian. Why are you doing this? I think you got to meet Jess, uh, a sister from our campus ministry who was studying at USP, like one of the main universities in Sao Paulo, right? And then uh, this girl said, okay, I'll, I'll go and meet Jess. And they struck up a relationship, a good friendship, and started studying the Bible. That's when Camila came in, right? Um, and then uh, they studied the Bible. After a couple of weeks, she decided to get baptized, and she needed to talk to her parents. To her parents. And she said, I, I got to talk to them, you know, like out of respect. And then she went, and her mom said, I, I'm not ready for this. And she was like, Okay, Mama, I'm going to wait. And um, I have this decision, but I, I want to wait, just out of respect. Uh, and they, they went on a trip. And when they came back, the mom came to her and said, Well, you got to um, uh, decide what you're going to do and tell the girls what, what's your decision. Um, and I respect you, daughter. You are a woman. You have matured. And there is just one thing that I want. Can we participate in the baptism? Can we go and watch? And she got baptized. It was last week. So it's amazing. I mean, fruits are being reaped. Uh, and uh, it's awesome to see what God is doing. Right? So faith in the celestial city. This moves people and their hearts. And the last aspect of faith is faith in Christ Jesus. So this sea comes from Christ. It's a Christ-centered faith, right? And now we're going to jump to Hebrews 12. It's a new chapter. The first verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easy to handle. And let us perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Wow. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a race. It's called Brava's Race. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. But uh, I went with a group of friends. And uh, one interesting thing, that half of this group, like these guys were teens in a ministry that I, I used to lead. Um, and it was... Um, a moment very um, challenging in the church because after two, 2003, you know, like a lot of ministers just fell apart. And it was a kind of reconstructing of the, uh, the, the family and youth ministry in, in Sao Paulo Church. And then I started spending time with these guys. They were teenagers. Uh, and it was so special after some years, like uh, seeing them uh, not only getting baptized, that's the most special thing, but also getting married, like in the church. There was 
one year that I was invited like to five weddings, <laughs> you know, and I was, and I, it's like, you know, like revelation when you, you really see what God is doing. And it's a privilege to be part of that. All right. So this picture means much more than, than just a race uh, for me. But going back to the race, uh, it is uh, something that begins really well. I mean, everybody is high, high-fiving. Everybody is like excited. You know, it's a race of obstacles. And it, it really gets tougher and tougher along the way. Uh, so the husbands are helping their wives. Come, love, I'm going to help you, like, to overcome this, this hurdle here, right? And then, but at the end, I mean, everybody's, like, <laughs> disheveled. Like, where is my wife? Where is my husband? You know, uh, of course, some are smiling, but this is, uh, there's a lot of pain going on there. <laughs> Um, wow, all your capabilities are going to be put to the test, emotionally, psychologically. You might have had this experience, you know, mentally. Um, why? Because it gets tougher. I mean, there was a, an obstacle there. It was like crawling <laughs> under a barbed wire. And it was like muddy. It looked like a war scene. You know, and some uh, hair, balls of hair. Like, on the, you see, like, people walking there. Oh, let's keep going, trying to encourage. And then after that, like, you would jump into a tank. It was with freezing water. And you, you had to swim, dive, swim, and go through a kind of hole underwater and get out on the other side. And Camila can't swim. And we were like, Camila, we're going to do something here, right? you got to trust. I mean, we're going to push you underwater. And somehow we're going to, like, how do you say? Throw you into that hole in the water. And if you come out alive on the other side, just give, give us a shout. This was exactly what happened. Thank God. Right? That's, that's, and it gets worse and worse. I mean, the, the worst for me, like after that, when you're soaking wet, you gotta go through a kind of structure with hanging, peeled electric wire. And it's like humans are very creative. Some of them are kind of crawling again. Like, uh, others are kind of, I'm not going to touch, you know. I'm not. Have you ever watched like Fen Ferdinando the Bull? Yes. Do you remember when he went into a porcelain store? Yes. I did exactly like him. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to touch anything. And he's a huge beast, right? And then he starts touching the object. And it, it threatens like to fall, to, to drop. And then he goes and picks him up. Because he's being persecuted, like uh, people are behind, uh, after him, right? So, but then at the end, he destroys the whole store, right? Sorry for the spoiler there. Um, but I tried to do the same thing and use this, the same strategy. But then I felt a punch. You know, I, someone must have run into me. No, 
I touched one wire. And then I was like, oh, man, you got to improve your strategy here. And then I touched another one. And then another one. And I said, man, I'm not cope. I I will not cope with this. I'm going to change my strategy here very quickly. And guys, let's run. (laughs) But the thing is, like you create a domino effect. Like you touch someone, you touch wire, is going to be touched by someone and by wire. And everybody's going to deadly get electrified. Like, what is the name? Electrocuted. That's a tough word, right? In there. Uh, in the end, guys, we pay to suffer. Right? That's, that's um, what we do. Well, in Hebrews 12, the beginning of this new chapter talks about a race in which Jesus is the forerunner. He's the precursor. He's the one blazing a new trail. He goes ahead of us to guide us. And we must do whatever it takes to keep our eyes fixed on Him. Because otherwise... We will not make it to the end. It is just impossible. He is the trail blazing person. Right? And at the same time as we strive to focus on Christ, we have to watch out for the hurdles, obstacles along the racetrack that can get in our way. And they can slow us down. They can trip us over. Help! Uh, they push us and, and we trip over. Right? Uh, And unfortunately, sometimes we can even get disqualified for good. The author of Hebrews called these obstacles sin. And the truth is that there is a considerable number of people, of Christians, that go in for this spiritual race without paying attention and without focusing on Christ. And they start stumbling, having their freedom restricted by various forms of sin. For example, anxiety. And I know that anxiety is is, is something serious. But I'm talking about a type of anxiety anxiety, uh, that is focused on trivial things. Like things that you have no control over. And we are there, worried, concerned. Hey, this is sinful. We got to watch out. For this obstacle. There's also a type of ambition that is sinful. Ambition in using the gospel as a means of personal progress. Do we make use of the gospel to achieve our own goals? Or do we surrender ourselves to the gospel so that God can fulfill His purposes in our lives? Another sin is resentment towards one another. We got to seek help. Uh, other things can be secretive desires of the flesh. And we are doing things like concealed. And do not seek help with a vulnerable heart. 
you know, we, we do not open up what is going on, going on with our lives. Another obstacle is pride that resists the wind, wisdom of God. There's so much wisdom here. How are we taking advantage of that to keep focused on Christ and avoid the hurdles along the way? Which sin has refrained you from seeing Jesus and following Him? Family, it's high time to take a step of faith, looking more attentively and firmly at Him, Jesus, who is at the center of this great cloud of witnesses, right? And it's high time to push aside whatever hampers our race towards the celestial city. Does that make sense? And our last challenge. During this week, try to study out scriptures in the Bible that reveal the greatness of Jesus. The beauty of His being. How majestic, how magnificent He is. It's amazing. In some books like Hebrews, Revelation, like they bring out aspects of Jesus that it's just unequaled. It, it always um, blow, blows away my mind. And as you do so, encourage someone else with what you, you've been learning. Right? This has a tremendous power to help us not to get disheartened inattentive or inoperative. The idea is not who will get to the end line first, but that we will get there together. This is why we share what what has inspired us, right? We're going to get there as a family. Well, anyways, like Jesus was the first one to get there and nobody can outperform or beat him. He was the first one. Right? And uh, uh, one last story. It's amazing. Uh, two brothers in Sao Paulo and I went to uh, Iran uh, last year. And we went there to get to know more about the culture, you know, the Persian. There's a lot of uh, Old Testament history in that place. Uh, we went there. It was a fantastic trip. And uh, one of the days we were uh, inside the car, there was a guide, a tour guide, a young guy, very friendly. And then uh, we were praying. Um, and uh, the brother and I were more reluctant to pray. Uh, we had a better grasp of English uh, because we didn't know how the guide would react, right? He was Muslim. Uh, but the other brother was like, no, but we got to share it somehow. You know, we got to show our connection with God. And... Honestly, out of, uh, re- uh, with all due respect, he barely knows English. And as he was praying, he was saying like, Father, Pai. He was getting the words like Father in Portuguese, word Pai, mixed up. And trying to communicate his love for God. And after his prayer, uh, we prayed. But one of the things that caught the attention of the guide was exactly the word Father that this brother had uh, mentioned. He said, wow, so you refer to God as a father. So what's the relation of Jesus with, with God? And then it just um, uh, 
spurred him on, like to, to want to know more about God. And it's amazing because uh, we have been studying the Bible with this. It's online studies with this guy who is basically a Muslim, right? And he wants to know more about Jesus. Wow. It's just amazing. Like the power of the gospel, you know, and what Jesus can do and is doing around the world. It's just amazing. So the world was not worthy of those people. This morning we have learned about men and women that had an unshakable faith in God the Creator and the celestial city. And in the case of Hebrews, in Christ Jesus. And today it is our day. Now it is our hour to demonstrate that the world is not, not also worthy of our faith. So thank you so much for your patience. It's such a, a joy to be here with you guys. Thank you. So as you can see and hear, Bruno is uh, more than fluent in English, but even when you're functioning and preaching and teaching in another language, he made it look easier than it really is. And so... Uh, I just I just want to say thank you, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually invite a man up here a second and just from us, thank you, bro, for your your time, your effort. As you can tell, without a doubt, Bruno's a teacher. Uh, he starts talking about cosmos and and about French cars, and all of us are like, man, I. I now, if you if you don't know about the, the the car Peugeot, that's it. We don't have a lot in Wichita. We got them all over in Sao Paulo. But it was, he made that joke, and everyone was like, ha, ha, ha French cars. And I went. I remember it one of the first time preaching in São Paulo, and I was like, "Man, I just hope this sermon's a home run." And this 300 soccer fans are going, home, "What's a home run?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh!" And I just remember. And I'm like, "Man!" I, and, but I learned. I learned. It took me a while. Bruno, help me, bro. Thank you. I love the depth. And I think for us, sometimes I can be, uh, I can be hesitant to jump on into the deep end. And I think Hebrews is a part of that. I actually think as a church that's we're going to be celebrating, what, uh, 30, 40 years here soon, I think, as a church. And I think there's a lot for us. I think I think we can get a lot of lessons from Hebrews here. And I love what you said. I think so many things, I enjoy so much of this world, but this world is just a shadow of what's to come. Am I settling for that? That's a great point. I love I love the illustration and the race. In the end, we paid to suffer. And I went... And I, w- I was like, man, I, I, I would have wa- paid good money to watch him suffer. That would have been great. But safety standards are a little different. That's right. Different yeah. In Sao Paulo, it's, uh, the, the, the motto is safety third, right? Uh, it's a different one. But I just, I'm so grateful for their faith. I'm grateful for your depth. I'm grateful for your love of God's word. And thank you for making the time and the adventure, getting, getting into you know, up very early in Dallas to jump on a plane, to run into church and preach. Bro, thank you guys so much, very much from us and our church. We want to 